Welcome to the Barnes and Thornburg Podcast Network. You're listening to Trial Ready, a podcast dedicated to learning about the work of trial lawyers and their insights into the legal issues of today. To learn more, visit us online at btlaw.com. Welcome back to Trial Ready, Barnes and Thornburg's podcast dedicated to hearing and learning about trial attorneys and the work they do. Thanks to everyone who listened to last month's episode with Randy Brown. Today, we are honored to have with us Victor Vidal, who was named one of D Magazine's 2020 list of the best lawyers in Dallas, as well as a Texas trailblazer in the Texas Lawyers 2020 list. Victor is a top trial lawyer who has tried over 100 cases in matters ranging from contract disputes to consumer fraud. Michelle, let me hand this over to you now. Well, welcome, Victor. This is really a treat for us because you are the quintessential trial attorney, and this is what this show is dedicated to and what it's about. But before we can dig into your background, I have to ask you our preliminary question. Do I want to answer these? Do I want you to don't have these? an option. <laughs> Once you agree to the show, you waive your objection. So, I can't take five? No, sir. Okay. <laughs> who are you and what do you do? Man, I'm a fantastic person who... Uh, wakes up every day and does what he loves to do, including being a husband, a daddy, a trial lawyer, a friend, a son. I'm just a human being who enjoys life. Where are you from, Victor? Uh, I was born in Houston, Texas, but I was raised in the Show Me State. I spent most of my time growing up in St. Louis, Missouri. And what would you say have been your top three legal jobs or positions? <laughs> legal jobs. All my jobs have been legal. What do you think? I'm slinging dope on a quarter or something. <laughs> <laughs> I've only had legal jobs. <laughs> and all my jobs, I've always gotten a W-2, a 10-9, if the government's listened to this, a 1099, a W-2, and now I get a K-1. They've yes. all been legal. Do you see what you get with these trial lawyers? Do you see what you get? <laughs> What have been your top three jobs in the legal okay. profession, sir? I've only had uh, I, I, I've only had one trial lawyer. I started off as a prosecutor in Harris County, Texas, and uh, here I am, twenty six years later, uh, doing the same thing. So, didn't start off as a paralegal or legal assistant or any, anything like that. I went from I guess I, I was a legal uh, extern, uh, so I can't count that in college. Um, I externed uh, at Legal Aid of, uh, in Huntsville, Alabama. So I was a legal extern, uh, but beyond that, I uh, went to law school and two weeks after passing the bar, I was trying cases. Not even passing the bar, I said two, I should have said two weeks after taking the bar, I was trying cases. Everybody else was on bar trips. They were going to Europe. Oh, Victor, where are you going on your bar trip? I had debt and I had passion to try cases and they had a third year bar car program in Texas. Do we still have it? And as long as you have a bar or licensed lawyer at your side, you could try a case in two weeks, literally two weeks off the bar exam. I was trying a case, an evading arrest case uh, and had 17 jury trials before uh, I even got my, before I, I got my bar results. So between July, between uh, between July and uh, November of 1995, I tried 17 cases. 
You live in the dream, Victor. Well, I'm glad you're talking numbers because that's my next question. What's your number, Victor? What do, what do you mean, what's my number? I mean, come on, are you a trial attorney or not? What is your number of trials, of course? <laughs> <laughs> I stopped. I thought you were asking my age. We don't go there. You can't tell from my gray hair. I stopped counting, Michelle. I don't know. I really don't. Uh, I tried so many cases. I know it's over uh, 100. Uh, that's bench and jury. Uh, I don't know. I, I stopped counting. I really did because it, it just, uh, I used to count. I used to keep the stats. But once I got over 50, I just stopped counting. And uh, I couldn't tell you for sure. Well, Mina. It's a whole lot. <laughs> it's a whole lot. I mean, I'm going to pass him back to you. As you can see, he's a feisty one. So you've got to get him. I see this. I see this. You know, Victor, so you really are what our podcast is about because you are living the dream. Michelle and I started this podcast because we love trial. Um, and I know you have a, a similar passion for trial life. You know, we are trial junkies. There isn't anything we don't love about getting into the courtroom. I still get nerves every time I stand up. Mm. I love it. Mm. I think if I wouldn't get like nauseous, I think maybe I should stop doing it. It's time to stop. Yes, because it's so exciting every time. Like, you know, you get that like kind of nerves that almost like little sweats, but then you stand up and it's like, this is what you're meant to do. And I love the fact that you stop counting. That's amazing that you have done that many trials. People just love that and I think live for that. But let me let me ask you a few more questions if you'll indulge us for a while here. So you've publicly talked about the fact that you did not meet an attorney until you were in your 20s. So how did you develop this aspiration to become a trial attorney um, when you didn't really know any personally? Because I loved L.A. law, man. I loved L.A. law. Oh, yes. Blair Underwood. Yes. Well, now Blair Underwood... Poor Blair Underwood. They can't cast him in, in anything. And it's like Oprah, the own network, and Tyler Perry, they have him cast as the bad guy. In every movie, he's beating a woman, cheating on a woman, just a bad guy. But Blair Underwood was smooth in L.A. Law. I loved him, but my favorite character, even beyond, because I, I loved Blair Underwood because he was African-American. I could see myself in his position trying that case to the jury. But who I really loved was Jimmy Smith's. Oh, really? Uh, Victor, his, remember his character, Victor Sofuentes? Yes. Uh, Victor Sofuentes. And I love Victor Sofuentes because Victor uh, was smooth. He, first of all, he had my name. He was smooth in the courtroom, and I could really see myself doing that. So I really loved L.A. Law, and I was walking up to my dormitory in college my, I think it was my uh, junior year either sophomore or junior year. I don't remember the exact timing, but I remember exactly where I was. I'm walking up this sidewalk. I'm about a stone's throw away from the uh, dormitory, and I'm uh, chatting with this my buddy. Her name is Misty. And she said, why are you a social work major? She said, it makes no sense. You need to go to law school. All you do is ever, all you, you're arguing right now. It's all you do is argue. And the light bulb went off wow, I can do what those guys on L.A. Law do. And that's what started the dream. I went to my first day of law school, the orientation, and they said, if you're here because of L.A. Law, we're here to share to tell you you've done the wrong thing. But they were wrong. <laughs> they were wrong because I did every mock trial uh, inspired by uh, L.A. Law. And uh, when I got to my first trial, I actually realized 
this is actually like L.A. law. It's just real life. I mean, the, it's the passion. It, it's the thing. It's just um, uh, the, the being in the groove in the courtroom was what I really liked about uh, watching the people in L.A. law. And there were no quintessential you can't handle the truth moments, but it was just uh, living my passion uh, that I watched somebody else on TV doing uh, is what I really liked. So let me ask you, that's, that's a, like a wonderful moment, but now I'm going to probably bring it down by asking you this question. Did you ever use LA Law to the jury? Did you ever ask them like if they've ever watched LA? Come on, I have to ask. No, no, I was, uh, no, number one, I'd be dating myself if I continued <laughs> to use that uh, in front of a jury. Probably it would have worked in the... Um, in the mid-90s when I was uh, trying cases at the DA's office, but I never did. I remember the first time I stood up in front of a jury, the nerves that you talked about were, uh, they were, my nerves were going crazy. I, I wasn't thinking about LA Law, I was just thinking about how damn nervous I was and how much I was sweating. It's <laughs> a great feeling, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, but, I, but I, I, I basically uh, worked through it by telling the truth. And I told the jury, I said, y'all are probably nervous, but ain't nobody in this courtroom more nervous than me. This is my first day on the job, uh, my first week on the job, my first time trying a case. And I am so nervous. And everybody just laughed. Right. But they were laughing with me. And it's it a good one. And it comes across as very genuine when you say that, too, because you're a very genuine person. And to, in that story, there was this uh, old black woman. I'll never forget her. She was like my grandma. And uh, I was talking to the jury after the verdict, um, as is customary in state court. You can go, you go back and talk to the jury here in Texas. I went back and talked to the jury. What did I do right? What did I do wrong? This old little black lady, she, she said, baby, she said, you didn't have to tell us that this is your first time trying a case because we could see that you was nervous. But when you walked around in those cowboy boots, you walked with authority. <laughs> she said, I'll never forget that. She said, we could tell you were nervous, but when you walked around that courtroom in those booths, you walked with authority. Hmm. I'll never forget that. It's just like yesterday that she said that. That was like uh, 26 years ago, but I can still see her in my mind's eye and I can hear her voice. That's awesome. And I was so proud. I went home and told my wife, that lady said, I walked with authority. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, so you are known around the firm, and I think you sell yourself as this lawyer who parachutes in. You're the parachuting lawyer. You jump into a case when it's ready to go to trial, which is awesome. Um, so what is your secret to getting yourself up to speed in a case when you haven't been part of the discovery process, you haven't created the record? I mean, I don't think a lot of lawyers would be so uh, ready to jump into a case where they haven't created the record and they're stuck with something else that someone else did. I'm an adrenaline junkie. So uh, the first thing I would tell you is I've never jumped into a case where somebody did it the way I would do it. Uh, I've never seen that. They taken a deposition I wouldn't have taken, or they didn't take a deposition I would have taken. They took a deposition. They didn't ask the question that they should have asked. They sent a bunch of interrogatories, but they didn't get the right information. So basically, uh, it's I'm, I'm trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents a lot of the times when I've covered into these cases. But I'm an adrenaline junkie, so I like that. I like the challenge of trying to figure out 
uh, how I'm going to get a document into evidence when somebody hadn't thought about the foundation necessary in pretrial discovery to uh, make the document admissible, for instance, or the testimony admissible, or trying to find the right testimony to prove an element in the case. The most helpful thing that I do is I, I essentially do what we did when we studied for the bar. You take the bar review course, you learn the law. So what is the law in a particular area, if it's a patent case or whatever it is, family law case, I build the jury charge because the jury is going to be tasked with trying to figure out what the damn law is. Uh, and they didn't go to law school. They got to figure it out and they get it from the court's charge. So I build the court's charge, uh, figure out what the jury instructions are. Um, then most, especially in commercial cases, everybody in business cases, civil litigation, everybody files summary judgment motions. So the second thing I do is I get the summary judgment motion to see what the uh, litigators thought uh, uh, were the ways to prove or disprove various elements or issues in the case. And I draw a distinction, by the way, between litigators and trial lawyers. Uh, so you build your jury charge and then you look at the summary judgment record. And uh, from there, you uh, go to go to a mock trial and figure out if you have what you need to win the case. And if you don't have what you need, tell the client uh this is a loser and or here's what we need to do to make it a winner or a potential winner. On trial ready, we do not promise results. No, we never promise results because that, that's a surefire <laughs> way to lose. Um, <laughs> that's asking for trouble. What I have to ask, what is the difference in your mind between a trial lawyer and a litigator? I'm glad you asked. My best, the, the, my, one of my favorites, my favorite movie is A Few Good Men. Just love you, good man. Favorite movie of all time. I watched it so many times. My daughter walks in the room. And she says, oh, God, you're watching that movie again. So uh, Demi Moore uh, asks the one question too many. The judge gets aggravated and says, uh, the witness is an expert and the court will hear his opinion. You guys remember that scene? So then after the jury leaves, second chair or third chair, uh, Sam says, uh, you even had the judge call them an expert. There's a difference between paper law and trial law. That's it. There's a difference between paper law and trial law. You even had the judge call them an expert for crying out loud. So uh, a litigator is competent in facilitating the uh, pursuit or defense of the case uh, pretrial, following the, necess following the necessary uh, documents to initiate a case. You got uh, you got three things basically uh, that a case is made of. It's the P's, the three P's. You got pleadings, proof, and persuasion. A, litiga a litigator uh, should be adept at um, preparing pleadings to get you into court uh, and securing proof necessary to support your pleadings. But what we do as trial lawyers is we craft that proof in a way that's persuasive to the common person so that we can be the bridge between um, uh, law and the masses to get the answers to the questions we want. And that's a skill uh, that not every litigator has. Uh, there are a bunch of litigators who do a great job working up a case, but uh, will put you to, put you to sleep uh, and give you the snores um, at trial. So 
Um, let me ask a couple follow-up questions on that one, because do you think that uh, litigators can be taught to be trial lawyers? I frankly think that anybody can learn how to do anything. Uh, the, the question is, will you do a good job? You can teach me how to do heart surgery, but I think, I mean, and I might know how to do it, but I would, uh, I might know in my mind how to do it, but the translation between what's in my mind or my brain to the execution uh, can be botched. So I frankly think, uh, and this is just my theory, I frankly think that trial lawyers are born. Um, and just like actors, actresses are born. I think that you can be a trial lawyer um, and you can go through the motions, but uh, the true art of trial lawyer is something that I think is innate. It's something that is your passion in life. So um, I think there are a lot of people calling themselves trial lawyers that are really litigators. I think there are some people calling themselves trial lawyers who have learned the skill of trial lawyering, but really the passion and um, the, the art that comes in the performance of trial law is really just something you just have to have. I think it's, I, I really do. So, uh, and I'd love to have a debate with people who, um, who think otherwise, and I respect the opposing view. I just, I, I just think that what wins more trials is passion, and passion comes from purpose. And purpose is something that um, uh, is, is, it, it, I don't know how you get purpose. I mean, some people say purpose is God-given. Some people say it's innate. Whatever it is, purpose, your purpose in life drives passion. So people know when a real trial lawyer is trying a case that that's what they're supposed to do because um, they, they speak with conviction and authority from uh, passion driven by purpose. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with you mostly on that. I don't, I don't think litigators can be trial lawyers. I just don't. It's sort of like I am. Well, they can try. No, they can try, I don't actually but, think they yeah. can even try. Because like I, I'm never going to be a D1 QB. Like I, I have a, a decent spiral, but even my kids are like, Mom, you can't do that. I'm never going to play hockey. I, I am a horrible cook. Ooh, I'm a horrible cook, but I can bake like no other. But I'm a trial lawyer. I'm, you know, but you know, I just don't think I just don't think some litigators are meant to be trial lawyers. We looked for Michelle forever because she is a trial lawyer, mm -hmm. and you know them when you know them when. You I agree. Them. I mean, so, so actually, I actually agree with you. I, it's um, I can I, if I went to school to be a uh, heart surgeon, I could probably go through the motions, but people would know that I'm not really a heart surgeon, even though I wear that title. So I think there are people who are trying cases today, who because they're trying cases and they're lawyers, they're trial lawyers, but they're not true trial lawyers because it's just not, it's just not, it's just, you just, just got to be India. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Arr. Absolutely. And speaking <laughs> of in you and born to be it, I'm going to hand this over to my better partner here who was born to be a trial lawyer too. Well, I tell you, Victor, I, you know, I really admire your career and sort of how you've had inspiration from afar I've heard that heard you say that you had mentors from afar, people you didn't really know, who you kind of saw their career. Billy Martin was one. Of them. Billy Martin was one. I had a really great trial against Billy, but we'll save that for another day. But um, 
I, I definitely have have kind of looked at some of your prior interviews, and I love a quote you had where you said, you know, there's that one breed of lawyer, and this is when you were talking to someone about the ABA, the one breed of lawyer that you know when they walk into the courtroom door, they're a trial attorney. Because you just got to walk in with that swagger yes, and that yes. confidence. So, you know, I'll never forget, I was a young kid sitting in that. Uh, so this is when Misty said, you should go to law school, you should be a lawyer. I said, I'm a social work major. So I talked to the people in the social work department and they said, well, you could do an externship at legal aid. So that's the first time, I, that's when I first met the lawyer that you mentioned earlier. It's the first time I ever met a lawyer, these lawyers at legal aid, I'm in college. And I'm sitting in this one guy's office and he was telling me about the ABA. And he was, he just said, I mean, I could just remember it right now. He said, you know, um, it's a gathering of all the lawyers, et cetera. But when the, when the trial lawyers come through the door, you know, and it's true. It's true. When you walk into a courtroom um, and you're a trial lawyer, people know that you're supposed to be there because like the little lady said, I may have been nervous, but I walked with authority because that's where I was appointed to be. My appointment in life was to be in courtrooms. And I think that's what that guy was saying way back when. He was like, trial lawyers have a certain swagger, have a certain quality uh, about them that lets you know that they're trial lawyers. They might be introverts. They might be soft-spoken, but they have a way about them. No, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. But I want to shift your focus now and talk about how your trial practice has changed during the pandemic. No, and <laughs> it has become non-existent. <laughs> well, and this is so, this is interesting because you were quoted in an interview saying that you think virtual hearing should be the rule rather than the exception. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you feel that way about trials? No, no. So tell me why. Um, I think that, well, I should say, um, I think that some trials uh, should and can happen via Zoom. If you got a bench trial uh, that is not witness heavy, I, I think that uh, it, it makes sense to do a lot. Of, let's say attorney's fees, for instance, you're trying uh, the issue of attorney's fees. I don't know why you got to be in person for that, especially if the judge is trying the, the issue. I, I think that uh, there are some bench trials that should be um, uh, done via Zoom or whatever the platform is. Uh, but jury trials, I think it's it's really difficult to, to really um, try a case, a jury case over a video conference platform. For instance, jury selection, you can like have the uh, super brain brush panel, but a lot of what happens for me happens spatially. So I'm asking a question over here and I see somebody in my periphery move over here and it's like, I'll say, okay, I need to talk to this person. Even though I was asking the question over here, I could see uh, some movement in my periphery. You kind of lose all of that um, via, via Zoom. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to look at all those little boxes if you're picking a jury versus the way you look at people uh, live. That's just one snippet. I mean, there are just so many things uh, that are difficult uh, about doing a jury trial via Zoom. But if you're in person, uh, it's also difficult if you got to try a case and you're not the examining lawyer and you're wearing a face mask. 
you know, you can't have the sly grin uh, when you've been saying something all along and you want to tell the jury, I told you, you see what he's saying right there? I mean, you, you can't do it because you got a face mask on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I can't, yeah, it's, uh, this, this whole situation has been difficult. Yeah. I, tr- I typically try a case a year, um, up to five cases a year, but last year I didn't try anything. I do have a case scheduled in Philly for July and August, and I have another case here in Dallas scheduled for September. Well, we'll see if those go. I hope it's in person. I have a virtual one coming up. For me, the trial work is part, you know, the dressing the part. And I'm sure you appreciate that with the cowboy boot story, but you got to right. look the part. You've got to. I have my opening and my closing suits in my head, depending on you what trial it is. So, you know, speaking, speaking of that, Michelle, a lot of people have the view that if you're a defense lawyer and you're representing a moneyed interest like a Fortune 100 or uh, a wealthy client, you should not dress the part. You should try to dress down a little bit. And I used to have that view until uh, I had a juror get my number and called me, got my number from the judge, said, I want to talk to that lawyer. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. He called me. And the judge told me, hey, I gave this juror your number. I'm sure you would be okay with it. He wants to talk to you. And I uh, talked to this juror. And he said, you are amazing. You are the best thing going on in that courtroom. But you really need to step up your wardrobe to be consistent with your skills. And I said, well, I... I didn't want to, uh, I, I had the view, and I've always had the view historically, that I should not wear my tailored suits, et cetera, because I, did, I don't want to throw the jury off, especially when I'm representing somebody who has a lot of money and the jury is chasing that money. And the guy was like, I disagree. Uh, when you step into the courtroom, your wardrobe needs to match your talent. Mm. Is what he said. He said, "So if you like if you got if you have talent and you have money and you have the ability to dress nice and to step into the courtroom, uh, as we used to say, suited and booted, that's what you need to do." Well, I love that, and I'm going to be turning you back to Mina for our rapid fire cross examination questions. Oh yes, Victor. This is the <laughs> Oh no no, no I remember this segment. This is okay. This is I'm ready. the best I'm ready. part. This is the fun part that Michelle and I love the most about our segment. Here are the rules of cross examination. You know how cross examination works because you've done this a lot. You may only answer yes or no to the questions. What about and I don't know? I don't recall. I don't recall is a fair answer. Okay. You may not invoke the fifth. You have no Fifth Amendment right here. This is not a criminal trial, okay? Michelle is your lawyer. She will object if she thinks that there is an objectionable question. I would be watching you, Michelle. You better object. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Who's the judge? Who who, who rules on the objections? I'm the judge. I'm the judge. How do you get to ask the questions and be the judge at the same time? You're not allowed to talk about this. These are the rules. You should have figured this out before you agreed to be part of our podcast. Thank you, Victor. All right. Are you ready? Let's go. You describe yourself as a questionable but joyful golfer, correct? Excuse me, I didn't I didn't catch that. As a Oh. Okay. This is already not going well for you, Victor. You describe yourself as a questionable but joyful golfer. Is that correct? Uh yes. You often make special requests for trial snacks from Bucky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You give 
give everyone on your trial name or your trial team a nickname. <laughs> yes. Correct? Yes. And this also includes your opposing counsel, correct? <laughs> yes. You once practiced an opening statement over the phone with an associate while she was driving home, correct? Yes. And you've once act your paralegal and legal administrative assistant to act as mock jurors, correct? All the time. Mm-hmm. And you're a big fan of over-the-top demonstratives, correct? Uh, I, I can't answer the question as phrased. I'm sorry. Are you right. not from Texas? Is everything yes. not bigger in Texas, sir? Y- yes. Okay, thank yes. you. And isn't it true that you've been known to wear very loud, ostentatious socks when you want the jury to look uh, at your socks and not pay attention to uh, who's testifying on the stand? Yes, I wear loud, ostentatious socks. Thank you, sir. Okay. And is it true that you've used your co-worker's office to hang hot documents before? <laughs> is that a yes, sir? Yes. Okay. And isn't it true that you were in and out of our office often to look at these hot documents whenever you were trying to think about trial strategy? Yes. <laughs> yes. And isn't it also true, last question, that you frequently discuss with a Barnes and Thornburg employee about how people at the law firm sacrifice for that filthy lucre? <laughs> I love the King James. You do love the King James, sir. Isn't that true? Correct. Correct. Thank you. And and I love the filthy lucre that I make. Yes, you do. (laughs) Thank you for participating today. Our last and final... Y'all can be sweating. (laughs) So the last thing that we love to do, Victor, is do you have any final advice for our young aspiring trial attorneys out there? Trial lawyers try cases, period. Uh, You have to... It's my view that uh, this is uh, a profession. This is a uh, vocation that is driven by purpose, uh, but you can't exercise that purpose unless you're trying cases. And uh, it's unfortunate that uh, trials are tougher to come about uh, nowadays than uh, they were for me starting off at the DA's office, or as they are for me because I'm sought out to uh, try cases specifically. Um, as a young lawyer, you need to figure out um, what it is uh, that you can do that's going to get you into the courtroom. If you're a law student, perhaps you want to start off at the PD's office or at a prosecutor's office. Um, if you're a lawyer uh, at a large law firm getting paper cuts on document production, you need to figure out how to add another 100 to 150 hours to your life to get a pro bono case that's going to get you into the courtroom. Uh, but the bottom line is you have to find trials and uh, get yourself in, integrated into, into trial teams and or cases or matters that are going to get to trial. Well, thank you again, Victor. It's been a pleasure having you on. I'm glad to be on, even though y'all were making me sweat with that cross-examination. <laughs>